0: And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. When they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go to him and ask him for his help. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, you are the one who said, uh, let light shine in darkness. Uh, You are the one who has uh, shined the light uh, of the gospel in our hearts, Lord. And so we pray this morning that you would shine a light on this text, uh, that you would um, open our eyes, that we may see it, that we may understand it. We pray that you would speak to us. This morning, that you would show us Jesus, and that we would be changed by what we see. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, at various points in my life, I have uh, been some something of an insomniac. Um, I haven't struggled with that since having two children at home. I sleep like a baby every night now, but um, as long as they're sleeping, I sleep. Uh, But in the past, in my life before children, you know, sometimes I would struggle with insomnia. I would, you know, just be too wired to go to sleep. And so I consider myself to be something of an expert on late-night infomercials, okay? I've seen a lot of them in my day. Um, and it seems like, you know, when you're flipping channels and there's nothing else on and these long commercials come on and, you know, it's always like cleaning supplies or, you know, which I have no interest in or or knives. It seems like there's always like selling kitchen knives on, on these infomercials. And, um, you know, I don't know what would cause it. Perhaps it was my sleep deprivation or perhaps it was, uh, you know, something like that. Just being awake in the middle of the night and kind of being lulled into uh, the, the sales pitch or whatever. But, you know, you watch these knife demonstrations after a while, and they become really compelling. You're like, you know, the guy, like, slices through a tomato, and then he cuts through a tin can just as easily. And you're like, I need a knife that cuts through a tin can uh, right now. I don't know what I would ever need to cut through a tin can for, but um, I want this knife. Um, And so, you know, you can kind of get lulled into these uh, infomercials, and you're like, man, I need this product in my life. I need this. Uh, Maybe you can relate to that. But there's, a, there's other kinds of needs that we sort of experience in life sometimes. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I actually struggled with asthma. And um, I've had it for a few years. And I remember being on the playground at school and suddenly having an asthma attack. And, you know, suddenly I really needed my inhaler. I needed uh, relief. I, needed, I, would, I would get panicky feeling my air, you know, wheezing for breath and, and feel my lungs closing up or uh, whatever. And, you know, I remember feeling like I need to, you know, run back to the classroom and I need this inhaler. I need this right now. Um, and I would, you know, get the inhaler and have immediate relief. And so those are really two different kinds of needs, right? In fact, one of those may not even be a need at all, right? Needing a knife to to cut through uh, tin cans. But um, sometimes it can feel like a need. And I think our passage, the passage before us today, I think really gets us to kind of think about, you know, our needs in life. And that there are different kinds of needs that we have. Um, We might perceive, you know, certain things to be, you know, our great needs in life. Um, And I think we see in this passage that um, Jesus also perceives uh, something to be our greatest need. And so let's look at how those kind of compare and contrast. Um, We have just two points this morning, and so we'll just jump right in. Our first, the first thing we see is that, excuse me, we see that Jesus attracts needy people. Jesus attracts needy people. Um, Here in Mark chapter 2, like I said, we're, we're pretty early in Jesus's earthly ministry Um, At this point, he has been preaching for a little while. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. Repent, believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's kind of his go-to message early in his ministry. Um, He's been traveling around Galilee and starting to preach this message. And along the way, he started to do some other things. He started to do some healings. We see in chapter 1, if you look. Notice he does some healings. He also begins to cast out demons. Um, He begins to do these miraculous things. And so word about Jesus is starting to spread through the land. And uh, people are eager to come and see him. Uh, perhaps to just to witness a miracle. Uh, perhaps they're eager just to hear what he has to say, or maybe even to receive some healing, some form of healing uh, themselves. And so our passage today focuses on a man who is in dire need of healing, uh, a man who is desperate, a man who is helpless, utterly helpless. Um, he can't even get to Jesus on his own. He depends upon uh, his four friends to carry him to see Jesus. You know, we think of paralysis even in our day being such a, a, a severe and significant um, thing to deal with. But imagine back then without wheelchairs, without, you know, the medical technology that, that we know of today. So this man is desperate. Um, he has kind friends uh, who they've heard about Jesus and they say, we've got to get our buddy to Jesus. So maybe this man has has begged his friends, please take me to Jesus. Um, this is the only hope that I have. He's determined um, to see him, to get relief from his physical suffering. And imagine how this man feels, right? If, if only I could get to Jesus, if I could just get in the same room with him, that would be enough. I, 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 you know, he would see me and he would have pity on me if I could just get in there with him. Um, it, it's much like the story of the woman in Mark 5, the woman with the chronic blood loss for 12 years and she sees Jesus in a crowd. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I know that'll be enough. Uh, that, that's a desperation uh, that they feel. The, the, that woman and this man feel, a real helplessness um, to see Jesus, uh, to experience um, healing in his presence. And so we see that this man his friends, they find out Jesus is at a house nearby in Capernaum, and so they go to this house, and of course the house is just crowded. Um, the, you know, the, the text tells us in verse 2, uh, many were gathered together so that there was no room, no more room, not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them. So, Jesus is preaching and teaching, and, and I mean, they can't even get into the door. It is so crowded and so packed. Uh, imagine the frustration, right? You, you find out Jesus is nearby. They, they, I'm sure it was no easy task to carry this man to see Jesus. They, they get him on his mat, they carry him, and they get to the door, and there's no way to get in. The crowd is just too big, uh, it's, too, it's too tight. Um, they've gone to all this trouble, and they get right to the goal, and they're not able to go any further. But these men are clever, and they, they decide to they think of a rather ingenious thing. They go up on the roof, um, and they're going to you know, come in that way. And typically in our day, we think about roofs being like this, right? having a pointed top. Uh, but in, the, in this day, roofs were usually flat. Um, they were made of branches and rush, and sometimes there would be pieces of wood. If you look at this same uh, miracle in the Gospel of Luke, he mentions that there's tiles on the roof that can be removed, um, which they do. Um, and all of this was kind of held together with clay and mud. And, and so, you know, when I was a kid and used to hear this story, I didn't really understand that. I just imagined them destroying this poor person's roof trying to get to Jesus. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes, you know, they, it was able to—these pieces of wood or, or tiles could be moved and, and, you know, you could have access that way. But that just shows the level of desperation, right? That they were willing to try anything to get, it, to get into Jesus, to get this man in the presence of Jesus, and so these men pull up the roof. Actually, the, the text literally says in Greek that they unroofed the roof, uh, which is a, a great phrase. They unroofed the roof, and they lower their friend down into the room. You know, imagine how it must have felt at that moment, right? You've you heard about Jesus. You're, you're all cramped into this tiny house. You know, it's hot. It's sweaty. Jesus is teaching. And suddenly the roof opens up, and here comes this man being lowered down into the room um, on, a, on a mat, And and I, whenever I read this passage, I almost imagine this, like sort of everything stops, right? It's almost like it's it's almost like there's silence, right? We don't see we don't see the paralytic pleading his case. We don't see any words from his friends. Uh, We just see the man is lowered, and it seems like as if everyone's waiting for Jesus' response. Look with me at, at verses four and five. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. So these are the kind of people that are attracted to Jesus. People who are desperate. People who are helpless. People who are needy. Um, people who have nowhere else to turn. People who are well acquainted with their shortcomings. People who are very familiar with their failures, with their weaknesses. And you know what? It's the same way today, isn't it? Um, Jesus still attracts needy people today. Um, you know, it's in those hard moments of life that we feel our our strongest need, the strongest need for Jesus, right? It's in those moments uh, when suffering hits us, in those moments when depression or anxiety sink in. It's those moments when we lose a loved one, or when we struggle, you know, with ch- chronic physical pain. It's in it's in those moments uh, in the stress of parenting, or in the stress of our jobs, or our careers, when we feel overwhelmed and overmatched. Uh, those are the moments that we feel our need for Jesus the most, aren't they? Um, why is that? Well, it's because our suffering can—you conf- know—suffering and, and uh, our weaknesses—they confront us with who we really are. Uh, they hold up a mirror and show us uh, who we really are. Uh, it cures us from the delusion that that we can handle life on our own. Um, instead, we see that we re- we're really weak and needy. That we're we're really in over our heads, and that we need help. Um, Yesterday, uh, my sister's in town this weekend, so it's been a fun weekend hanging out with her. And yesterday, we wanted to do something special, so we gathered up the family, and we went uh, to the pumpkin patch in Chunky, um, Mississippi, down the road. And uh, it was it's pretty cool. If you haven't been over there, its um, I was expecting, you know, just a, a pumpkin patch. But it's like a whole thing for all, you know, they have a hayride and, and various little things for, for kids, and Addie loved it. And so whenever we go out, you know, Addie... Um, um, she, she always likes to, you know, kind of run ahead. She's excited. You probably see her running around here after church. She's, you know, you're always having to kind of call her back, Addie, come back, come back. And yesterday was no different. You know, she's out and she sees the, the tire swing and she sees the kids over there playing and, and we're having to constantly, Addie, come back, come back, come back. You know, she's wanting, to, she's wanting to go, 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 go. We have to constantly hold my hand, hold my hand, come back. Um, well, uh, that, that's the way she was yesterday at the, at the pumpkin patch until we got into the corn maze. Uh, when we got into the corn maze, it was a different story for Addie. Uh, suddenly, she was very unsure. She was very ca- she was very nervous, very cautious. Um, part of that was probably because she thought the corn maze was a cave, and she knows that bears are in caves. And so she, was a, she kept saying that there's a bear, gonna. and I was like, there's no bears in the corn maze. But she kept, you know, talking about bears yesterday in the, in the, in the corn maze. But, but what Addie, when we got into the corn maze, as the, as the, as the corn grew taller and taller, um, as we got sort of deeper and deeper into this thick corn maze, you know, Addie realized that she was in over her head, right? She was no longer, she was no longer running up by herself. She was sticking very close uh, to mom and dad. And that's how uh, mom and dad ended up carrying her, carrying her through like about a mile of corn maze yesterday. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's when life shows us how little and how weak we are, how small we are. When life shows us that... Um, you know, we quickly sort of reach for help. We quickly see our limitations and reach out for help. Um, and so notice with me that there's another group of people who's at this, uh, who, who's in this house that, that I mentioned in our passage, the scribes. Now, these were the teachers of the day, right? The guys who kind of had all the answers, the guys who had everything figured out. They were respected. They were educated. They knew the Bible. Uh, they were morally upright. You know, uh, they didn't feel a need for Jesus, right? They're, they're not desperate like this man on the mat, um, but they're more to sort of there to observe, right? To sort of sit back and observe, who is this Jesus guy? And in in the midst of this healing, you know, we'll see in just a moment at the end that everyone is amazed. Everyone's glorifying God for this miraculous thing that has taken place. Um, And yet, the the scribes uh, don't seem too amazed. Instead, they're more concerned uh, that Jesus is is blaspheming. Who is this man who's 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 blaspheming in front of us? Who is this man who's talking this way? Um, And so, it can be easy for us, I think, sometimes to kind of be like that. It can be easy for us to sort of forget our need for Jesus. Uh, for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that we're okay, that, that we're fine, I can handle this, I've got this, I'm good. You know, as long as sometimes we, we kind of act like the scribes and Pharisees, as long as I'm, you know, better than so-and-so down the street, then I'm fine, then I'm okay. Um, it's tempting, very tempting for us to fall into that line of thinking. Um, you know, and so, what are, you know, there are times in the Christian life where we sort of feel, you know, that, that love for Jesus that, we, that once burned so brightly, Kind of feels like it 's faded right that, that passion that we once had for for the gospel and for um, evangelism and for you know uh, studying god 's word and, and for prayer and going to church that, that passion that we once had when we would when we were with god 's people um, fades right that, that happens in life that happens in the Christian life from time to time we we've, we've sort of feel those uh, those those feelings run a little dry what, you know what, what is it that causes that what is it that causes us to kind of go through those those periods. Well, I think there's a couple of different options, possibilities, a couple of different things that can cause that. Sometimes it's sin, right? Sometimes sin can disrupt our communion with the Lord. When there's sins in our lives that are that we have, that we are sort of nurturing rather than repenting of, uh, sometimes that can result in in sort of a disruption in our in our sort of emotions and uh, our affections for the Lord. Uh, that can res- kind of disrupt our communion with Him. Uh, we need to live lives that are marked by continual repentance. But a second thing that can that can sometimes I think result in, in those feelings in the Christian life um, is just you know just a reminder that we're not going to experience God's presence perfectly in this life, uh, right? We we're still living in a fallen world. Uh, you know we're still. We're saints, but we're still sinners at the same time. And so, you know, we're not going to experience the Lord's presence perfectly. Our, our affections for him are going to, are going to wax and wane. Uh, that's kind of normal in the Christian life. The Christian life is, is sort of, uh, you know, has its ups and downs, has its hills and troughs. Um, and, and that's, you know, we, we can look forward to it in heaven, right? We, that's what makes us, one of the things that makes us look forward to heaven is that uh, that will no longer be the case, right? There's no more waxing and waning. There's no more sort of variation in our love for the Lord. Uh, a favorite hymn of mine puts it this way. Uh, this hymn writer is talking about heaven and he, and he says, you know, I'm longing for heaven where I can, where I will love the Lord with unsinning heart. Um, and I just love that uh, that that idea that we've never done that in this life. We can't love the Lord with an unsinning heart, um, but one day we will in heaven. That's a that's a glorious thing, a thing for us to look forward to. But the third reason the third reason that I think sometimes our passions kind of burn low in the Christian life is because we forget that we need Jesus. We we, we sort of forget our need for Him. Um, we stop feeling our need for grace. We stop feeling our need for Jesus. We, we sort of feel like we've got it all together. We sort of feel like, you know, I'm better than most people, so I guess I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, we become, like I said, like we become sort of like the scribes, um, sitting back as sort of mere observers of Jesus rather than as people who are pursuing him with a desperate, feeling desperate need for him, feeling helpless need to get to him. Um, And this affects our prayer life, of course. As I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned this book several times to you guys, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. I I, I know I mentioned it a few times last year. Still a great book. I still recommend it to you. But one of the things that he says um, in his book is that the reason we don't pray is because we don't feel our neediness to pray. Uh, We don't feel that neediness, uh, that childlike helplessness. You know, Addie clung to my neck yesterday in the corn maze because she felt helpless and she felt needy. Um, She was... Scared a bear was going to get her. Uh, but she was clean to me because she felt a need for me. Um, when we feel our need for Jesus, um, that's going to result, that's going to, look, that's going to show up in the way that we pray. Um, when we remember that, uh, that we're helpless, that we're needy children, dependent upon our Heavenly Father for everything. And so recognizing our daily need for Jesus is really the key to the Christian life. So first we see that Jesus attracts needy people. Well, the second thing we see is that Jesus reveals and satisfies our greatest need. He reveals and satisfies our greatest need. You know. Notice, obviously, let's just point out what's sort of unusual about this about this story, which is that you know here is this man who is very clearly in desperate need of healing. He, he he can't even walk into the room where Jesus is. He has to be lowered by four friends. He's desperately in need, um, and yet notice what happens when uh, when uh, Jesus sees him. Excuse me. Uh, verse five and when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic my son your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven you know wait wait a second where did, where did that come from what, what, we weren 't even talking about that what, what's what 's going on here you can almost imagine this guy 's reaction as he 's laying there like uh, thank you Jesus uh, you know that 's not why i 'm here though i 'm not here for my sins to be forgiven i 'm here so that you will heal me so that I can walk that's that 's what i 'm here for i 'm here to, to for this problem that I need help with. Of course, Jesus knows that, right? Jesus is not mistaken. Um, Jesus is is teaching us something here. He's showing us something. You see, what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, look, you have a greater problem than your paralysis. You have a greater problem than that. It's your sin. You know, Jesus is saying, look, if you think the paralysis of your body is bad, the paralysis of your heart is so much worse. That is such, such a bigger problem for you. That you were made to be in a relationship with God, but because of your sin, that relationship is severely broken. That you're cut off, you're lost. Uh, You need this more than anything else, Jesus is saying. And he's saying the very same, he says the very same thing to us, doesn't he? Uh, That the worst thing that's happened to us is not whatever suffering we may have experienced in this life. The worst thing uh, that's happened to us is our sin. The worst thing that happens to us is that we're sinners. Uh, That that we're cut off from God because of our sin. That we we come into the world that way. You know, and we often tend to focus on the surface things, right? We're, we're more aware of, of sort of the darkness that's around us in the world than we are of the darkness that lurks in our own hearts. Uh, we're more sort of likely to cry out to Jesus because of the bad things that happen to us rather than the bad things that exist within us. Um, and part of the reason for that is I think is that sin is it's it's too personal. It's too deep. Um, it's too painful to deal with that. It's too painful to go into that. Um, you know, we know it's something way down deep in our core. It's just too dark, too hard to get to, too hard to fix. Um, I know I've used this illustration before, but it's just so good. I can't stay away from it. Um, I love the, the Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. And my favorite book of that series is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um And so this is a magical sort of story, fantasy story by the Christian writer, C.S. Lewis. You know. and, and so in this story, there's this, there's this boat, and they're traveling the seas... And um, they, uh, they come to this island, okay? And there's this little, this rotten little boy in the story named Eustace. Um, Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. That's, that's the first line of the book, that he has this terrible name, and he's kind of a terrible boy, so it fits him. Um, and so he goes on the island, he kind of goes exploring, he finds this cave with all this dragon treasure in it, okay? And he, he like, lays down, he's wants to, trying to figure out how he can keep all this treasure and not let anyone else find it, and he lays down, you know, takes a nap or something, and, and he wakes up, and he's turned into a dragon. He's like a little mini-dragon. Um, and so he panics and he, you know, he gets upset and he, he uses his little dragon claws. He's trying to scratch the scales off of himself. Um, and as he does that, you know, the scales are coming off, but there's always just another, there's just another layer of scales underneath, right? The deeper he goes, there's just more scales. Um, and he's, he's panicked and he's frightened. And then comes Aslan. And Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, as you well know, I'm sure, is sort of the, he's a lion, but he's the Christ figure um, in these stories. And here comes Aslan, right? And, and Aslan comes up with his large lion claws, and he starts to scrape the scales on Eustace. And Eustace says it was the most terrific pain that he'd ever felt. But the scales come off, right? Aslan gets much deeper uh, than, um, than Eustace was able to. And Eustace, the scales come off, and he becomes a boy again. You know, And that's sort of what we see in this passage today, that here comes this man with a serious problem. Um, it's a surface problem, though, right? He, he can't walk. He needs a miracle. But the real problem is much deeper than that. The real problem is one that only Jesus can fix, and that's, his, that's the problem of his sin. And that's why we need Jesus, because he can get to the deepest parts of us and fix us. He can rip the scales of, off of our hearts uh, that we cannot get to. He can give us true freedom and perfect peace um, through his work. And when this miracle is all said and done, notice the, the kind of reaction at the very end. Look at verse 12 with me in this passage. Uh, when everything's kind of all, all said and done, it says, And the man rose and immediately picked up his bed, and he went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Um, and so you can just imagine this scene, all these things happening. The man comes through the roof, and, and then Jesus says, "You know, Your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. Uh, and he's healed. And he gets up, and he picks up his mat, and he, and he leaves the place. Um, you can just imagine how astonished they were. Um, imagine if you had witnessed something like that yourself. Um, and they glorify God. They praise the Lord for having seen uh, something so amazing. But uh, as I mentioned before, not everyone is, is as amazed. Look with me. Let's look at verses 6 through 11. Let's look at the, the scribes' reaction. It says uh, this in verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, You know, their concern, their, their main concern is that Jesus is making a theological, a, a false theological statement that he's claiming to be God, which he is making that statement, and it turns out to be true in, in his case. Um, but they're still missing the point. You see, what Jesus is trying to say here, what he's trying to tell them, trying to get them to understand, is that for him, it's just as easy to heal this guy as it is to forgive sins. That he has authority to do both. That for us, both of those things are impossible, but for Jesus... It's as easy as speaking this sentence or speaking that sentence. That he can forgive and he can heal with a simple utter of word, uh, with just an utterance of words. And this is important because Jesus here is kind of linking his ability to do both. He's saying, look, I can do one as easily as the other. And so we know this man is forgiven because he is healed. Because Jesus says, get up and walk. Um, and and he, 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 that pronouncement comes true. So we know his pronouncement of forgiveness is also true for this man. And this can be encouraging. This ought to be very encouraging for us. Um, you know, how do I know that I can trust Jesus with my suffering? How do I know that I can trust Jesus uh, with my finances? How do I know I can trust Jesus with my children? How do I know I can trust Jesus with my marriage? Um, how do I know I can trust Jesus with my job, with my future, with my health? Well, how do I know I can trust Him with my doubts and with my fears? Well, because He's already taken care of our greatest problem, of our sin. He, he's already given us forgiveness. He's hung on the cross. He's bled and died on our behalf. And He has said, it is finished. And, and if you trust in Jesus, if you are resting in that finished work, if you are looking to Him for your salvation, He's paid for your sins. He has he taken care of the greatest problem uh, that you'll ever face. You can rest and trust Him with, your other, with all the other areas of life as well. I want to dwell on this for just a minute. You know, I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we were to go around the room, we would probably all confess that, you know, there, there is at least one area of life that we just struggle so much to sort of give over to God, an area of life that, that we just cannot stop worrying about, that we cannot sort of let go, um, l- let go of, and give to the Lord. You know, we may some of us may worry. Uh, you know, you may worry about your children. You may worry about how they're going to turn out. What are they going to be like? Are they going to are they going to be okay? You may worry about your children's salvation. Uh, you may worry about. Uh, you may worry about money. You may worry about your retirement fund. You may worry about your health or your pain. Uh, you may worry. You may wonder and worry that well, if you ever, if you'll ever get married. Um, you may worry. Um, you may worry that your marriage is going to fail. Uh, you may worry if, that you don't have any friends. That that you don't feel like anyone truly understands you or really loves you. Uh, you may worry about the crime in your neighborhood. You may worry about the direction of our country. There's, there's so many things that, that could give us worry. And, and for some of us, these things, we, we just cannot uh, give it over. We cannot sort of release our clutches from it. We, we kind of nurture that, that worry. We kind of keep coming back to it. Uh, we can't just trust the Lord uh, to provide for us and take care of us in this one sort of big area. Uh, that I'm sure I know I have areas in my life like that, I'm sure as I've been talking that other areas have been coming to your minds for you as well. But what the gospel says is that our suffering, uh, that our struggles are not our biggest problem, that our sin is. Uh, the biggest need in our lives is not that this one big worry will be resolved, that this one big thing that, that we hold on to is going to be taken care of. That's not our greatest need. Our greatest need um, is for forgiveness. And Jesus freely offered that freely offers that to us in the gospel. That's the good news, that if you're trusting in Jesus, that you're forgiven. You know why so why should we hesitate to trust him with these other things as well? When we rightly see our biggest problem as sin, when we rightly understand, when we understand that and we see that, it's liberating. It, it doesn't make light of our suffering, it doesn't make light of our pain, but it helps us to see it in the right perspective, in the right light. When we see how Jesus has dealt with our greatest need. We see that He is merciful and faithful. We see that He can handle our pain, that He can handle our suffering because He's handled our sin. We see His strength and His authority. We see His compassion and His love. This week, let us seek to gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ each day that we might look at all the various needs of our lives through the lens of the Gospel. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready, Stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you uh, love us. We thank you that you are a savior of needy people, uh, that you call needy people to yourself. uh, Those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, you call to come to you to find rest and to find peace. And Lord, we pray that we would do so this morning, that we would. Uh, that though we are weary from the, this the strain of life that we are weary from uh, living in a fallen world, that we would turn to you that we would run to you, Lord, uh, and find peace for our souls and find rest, we ask that we, would, we ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen.